Welcome to Everyday Therapist. I'm Rich from the UK. And I'm Cody from the United States. Before we jump in, we just want to say that this podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice. All right. Well, welcome back to, uh, I believe this is our fifth episode of Everyday Therapist. Uh, Rich, uh, how, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. You know, I'm lying a little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the secondary honesty. <laughs> it's a standard answer, isn't it? It's been good. It's been all right. It's like I think it's it's because it's autumn and uh, seasons are changing. It's dark in in the evenings. The clock, our clocks went back, and I'm trying to embrace autumn and the lovely colours of the trees and coziness and everything. But actually, I just kind of, I'm just a bit like, oh, God, yeah, six months of winter ahead. So it's been a bit of a, a bit of a strange week in some ways. But um, yeah, how's it going with you? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually doing, doing well. Um, I've, I've mentioned to you in the past, I'm, I'm actually headed out on, on vacation here um, or, or holiday, I guess, if, if you're in the UK, headed out on holiday. Um the correct yes. term. What, what was that? The correct term, holiday. The cor- yeah, yeah. The correct term, yeah. Uh, um, we we uh, we've been looking forward to this trip for for quite some time now, and so I'm I'm in a good good place right now. I'm really excited. We leave tomorrow, um, so so that'll be good. But and to to what you're saying about like the weather changing and and the cold and then the six more months of winter, I go through the same thing. It's like um, I was just telling my wife the other day, like it was freezing cold outside, and and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the cold weather just pisses me off. Just yeah. I just get so angry about it, and I just hate it so much. Yeah. Um, but there's there's much warmer places to live, but you know, here here's where I was born and raised, and my family's here, and here's where I'll, I will stay stay. But yeah, that's a strange thing, isn't it? You kind of go like, why? I mean, I live in Manchester, which I don't, I don't know how much you know about Manchester, but it's like, if you tell anybody in the UK that you live in Manchester, the first thing they mention is is the rain. Oh. And and it's kind of like in a valley. So I, I live on the, the the hills on the sort of outskirts of Manchester and look down into the, the city centre. And um, I believe, this might be completely inaccurate, but I believe the Romans built the city here because because of the rain so it comes the, the clouds come across the pennines and, and then the weather breaks and it's it's soaking wet all the time so so i could move but here i am <laughs> right right no that's that's interesting and and my american view is uh england just rains all the time so it's it's fascinating to hear there's there's pockets that people say that it's more rain yeah no definitely i, I think some of the, the southern bits and this is perhaps not very interesting to people but some of the south uh, northeast southeast the country they're, they're actually having to plant drought tolerant plants and stuff because i don't know whether it's climate change or something but they they don't get that much rainfall at all so anyway i'm here in wet manchester feeling uh pretty miserable about it and obviously taking it personally that every time I step out the door it rains <laughs> <laughs> right right it's hard to get you for sure <laughs> uh, 
so no, for the, for the most part, I, I'm I'm doing well despite the 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 cold and then the change in weather. And it's it's actually kind of fun to hear that you guys have already been through your through your time change as well because our clocks um, don't go back until this coming Sunday. So two days from now, uh, for those who are listening, it's it's November third and. Um, even though this episode will will release much later than that, our time hasn't changed yet. So it's just interesting to hear that hear that you guys have. Yeah, and we've just had Halloween, which we were discussing before before we came on. Which is, is it like I was saying to you, it's like become a bigger deal here than than it used to be. So when I was a kid, it wasn't really it just wasn't really a thing. I mean, we did stuff like carved pumpkins and people did trick-or-treating and stuff like that. But my kids, when they were younger, they they absolutely loved Halloween. We had lots of parties and stuff like that. And they uh on the whole, I think they like it more more than Christmas. Yeah, Halloween's a big deal over here, as as I mentioned. Uh, some people, in fact, I, I know a lot of people who prefer Halloween. That's their favorite holiday over Christmas, um, and and it's it's big. Do you do you guys have um, haunted houses and the whole sort over there as well? Uh, what do you mean, people decorate in the houses? No, like um, like there are are commercial buildings where it's designed it, it only opens up during halloween season so only up, opens up during october and you pay like god i haven't been for years but it's like 25 or 30 bucks to go walk through this place for them to just to scare the shit out of you for an hour <laughs> and and it's just it's massive and it's all there's probably in in in, in utah alone so most of them are going to be around the Salt Lake area, right? Because that's where the the primary population is, is around the <laughs> capital city. Um, but there's probably six, seven, eight different um, businesses that you go to. And again, they only exist for one month of the year. Yeah. Just to just to decorate and then and have people sign up and then go scare you. You guys don't have anything like that? Uh, not that I know of, but I mean, I might be out of touch. Well, what we have here, and this is, again, this might be the area that I live in, so I'm, I'm not too far from Cheshire, which is like flat sort of countryside, traditional English countryside. And I do a lot of work around there. And if you drive around the country lanes and just you're just out, out over in that neck of the woods, there's lots of places advertising Halloween stuff, but I think it's kind of like take your little kids along to pick pumpkins except mm. you don't actually pick them they just chuck a load of pumpkins in a field and, and kids go around and pick them up so it's, it's quite lame actually i'm sure other people know about much more exciting things um, but yeah i don't we have i've never come across those haunted house things interesting yeah how, how about corn mazes do you guys do corn mazes uh no what are they so like a like a cornfield, right? Like where a farmer would grow corn and it's just like a giant cornfield. Um, at this time of year when all of his corn has been harvested, instead of just cutting it all down, they'll cut they'll cut a maze into it and um, you know, you'll go pay five, ten bucks or whatever, and then go walk through this gigantic cornfield that's cut into a maze and and they usually do it in um They've gotten so so detailed that they'll have some like theme with it, and it's like some like you have to if you get like an aerial view from the top, maybe it's like this this giant picture of a castle or some you know some characters from a movie or something that they'll, they'll carve. I don't know how they I don't know how they do that from the ground or whatever, but then you'll go pay money and you'll walk through this giant maze and and try, 
see how long it takes you to get out. And then at nighttime, when it starts getting dark, um, a lot of times they'll turn it into a haunted cord maze and they'll put people dressed up in there that are uh, uh, j- will jump out and scare you and, and whatnot too. Wow, that's so cool. We, we, we've got nothing like that. that. That's classic Americans doing it way, way bigger and better than us. We've just got a lame field with some pumpkins in it. Well, anything, anything where we can earn some extra money on an open field, we'll go ahead, we'll go ahead and take advantage of that. Yeah, that's, that sounds good. I'd like to, I'd like to get walk around one of those mazes. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Halloween's a big deal here, but that's uh, that's about where we are. Um, that's not what we what we came to talk about today, though. But that's the fun stuff, I guess. That's the interesting stuff. Um. Maybe we should just jump in and uh, to to what we kind of wanted to talk about today. And before we do, though, I, I maybe want to just put a little bit of a disclaimer out there. Um, some of the things that we might talk about today uh, have a potential to trigger some um, high emotions um, and maybe some unwanted memories. If anybody has ever experienced the things that we're going to talk about today, um, this this podcast is is by no means a, a substitute for therapy um and if if anything that we talk about is triggering um or produces levels of high emotion that were maybe unexpected um please reach out to somebody um whether that's just a a friend or a family um or even if if it's a big enough um concern for you then then seek out a therapist and and see if you can talk to them about some things that you might be experiencing but i just wanted to put that out there because this is a fairly heavy heavy topic, but I also think one that people maybe don't know about or don't realize. And I think it's really important. So anything you want to average before we kind of jump in? Um, well, I know what the topic is and I, I know nothing about it. And we, I don't even know whether it was a quick WhatsApp conversation we had. I think it was. And I mentioned to you a couple of things that I'd been through and you said, yeah, that that's what I'm talking about. That's that's the extent of my knowledge. So I'm I'm okay. interested to talk about it. Yeah, so this this really came up um because of we had a, a listener of our podcast reach out to to me and um ask some questions. And and by the way, um that's something I, I want to continually plug on our podcast is if anybody ever is listening and they have questions or things that they would like Rich and I to talk about. Um, or if they would love to come on the podcast and share any experiences with therapy or just with mental health of their own, um, please reach out to us. You can email at um, everydaytherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but please reach out. We want this to be as interactive as a podcast can be. And we want to try and normalize these conversations as much as possible. So um, like I said, this this particular topic came up from a a listener and um they had reached out to to just have have us talk about it and i ended up kind of talking with them privately a little bit and then decided that it would actually be a really good thing to to share yeah i suspect the uh, i suspect the suspense is too much for people now <laughs> <That's normal. laughs> i've been playing on it for a couple a couple of minutes at this point talking about <laughs> We got to follow up our Halloween conversations with building suspense. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's let's just share it. So I, I had this this person reach out, and they were telling me that they work 
um, in a public setting, uh, customer service uh, field, and they have an, a coworker who has had a history of, of self-harm. And this coworker um, has asked if they can wear uh, short sleeves, which shows the the harm that they've done to their arms. Um, they, they've cut their arms and stuff a few times. And so there's scars that are left over. And yeah. this coworker has um, has seen these scars and it's just out there in public um, for everybody to see. And so um, what, we, what I really wanted to talk about today is this idea of secondary trauma and what that's like for other people. I don't want to necessarily spend all of our time on on this this young girl who has done some self harm and and is trying hopefully trying to embrace it enough that it that she's in a place where it is what it is and she's getting more comfortable mm-hmm. just allowing it to be part of her life rather than hiding it. But I want to I want to talk about the secondary trauma that comes on that. So, um, Rich, you kind of led into that you didn't know a ton, but are you comfortable sharing like what what do you know about secondary trauma if if much well i bet i i think when you mentioned it i think i've heard the term vicarious trauma before and what i think i thought that meant and i hadn't really given it any thought was that if a therapist for example was listening to continuous stories of trauma um they could be traumatized by some of the things that they'd heard. And then this might be a different thing, but I think I've also heard it referred to as compassion fatigue or that type of thing. Yeah. Um, perhaps another way of putting it might just be that the, the, the therapist is just getting completely worn down with these constant horrific stories that they're, they're listening to day after day. I think that would be about all I know. Yeah, and and, and that's and that's spot on. Um, I, I want to broaden it a little bit because I think that's maybe what a lot of people think of it as is um, somebody in a helping profession uh, that might experience uh, secondary trauma, uh, um, and it really it really can be anybody. It doesn't have to be a, a therapist or a doctor or um, you know an emergency. Uh, personnel. Um, it, it can be everyday people. And I think that's why it's so important to be able to talk about it. But let, let's really define what secondary trauma is. And, and, and you're right, Rich, another word for that is compassion fatigue. Um, or or some people refer to it as vicarious trauma. Yeah. Um, but really, the, the definition, it refers to a form of distress that's experienced from indirectly hearing details or uh, or witnessing a, a traumatic experience. So the, in the example that you were kind of leading towards, if a therapist is constantly working with with people who have experienced traumas, then, then they might experience secondary trauma themselves because they are working with somebody who is telling them about the trauma that they've been through. Yeah. But if we broaden that, that can be that can be anybody. Anybody can experience secondary trauma. It doesn't just have to be have to be a therapist. Um, maybe I'll give an example that that I'm going through a little bit right now, yeah. um, as an everyday person and not in my profession of, of therapy. Um, in fact, it just happened this morning uh, unexpectedly. Um, I have a. I don't know, I maybe classify them as, as a distant friend. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and I mean really distant, like I've never actually met this person in person. However, I have, um, I've been on, they have a, they have a, a, a podcast here in the U S um, that's based around sports. And I have been on their podcast a number of times. Um, I've also in a text chain with them. And so we text back and forth here and there. And so, and we've shared podcasts together and we've, we've had chats here and there. So we've built up a decent friendship given that I haven't ever met them in person and they don't live here in the same state as me. They live in Florida, which is on the opposite side of the country. Okay. But we talk enough that I, I feel like there's somewhat of a relationship there. Uh, anyways, uh, I just found out this morning um, from their podcast, actually, that uh, that his wife has breast cancer, stage two um, breast cancer. Well, and again, I've never met him, but if I just, if I just sit with that for a minute, like I feel a sense of sadness. I feel a sense of... Um, of helplessness and and maybe a sense of, of 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 being alone and I'm not even associated with it again. I've never even met him before in person, but just knowing this person that I've talked to multiple times and connected with, um, what he might be going through brings these unwelcomed emotions to me yeah. this morning, and and that's secondary trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you don't need me to explain it to you, but from listening to you, um, somebody that you care about is going through something extremely difficult. So, you know, that's that's going to affect you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about it in, in this podcast, because it, do, it happens to all of us. It's It's an everyday thing that we all experience, and it obviously comes from the most unexpected situations and times. But it plays a big part in our lives, and it, and it impacts us in ways that um, that I don't think we always realize. Um, and if I if I wasn't you know really present with myself and and able to just kind of monitor um, where I'm at today, those feelings of sadness would would be here, and it would be a part of me, and I may not be able to explain what's going on or why I feel that way. Yeah, is that is that I know this hasn't happened to you until today, but is that the sort of thing that you would share? with perhaps your wife or are you the type of person that would just keep it to yourself? Um, probably that's a great question, Rich. I, I actually don't know. Um, depending on how much it affected me, I would definitely end up sharing it. Um, but until you had asked me that I actually hadn't really thought much about sharing my emotional, uh, experience with my wife. Um, I did tell her about the news, um, of, of that we just found out, but, um, I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I didn't think about sharing the emotional part of it with my wife, but that's what I would advocate for. Absolutely. It, despite the fact that uh, I didn't recognize that until you just asked me, yeah, I would, I would advocate for those ongoing conversations because mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to promote. That's what we want this podcast to be about. And it's obviously she'll listen to this and she'll hear it. So I, I probably should tell her before it comes out. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should tell her what's going on. I, I think I'm not typical when I, I'm always aware of it. I'm always spouting stereotypes, but I think a lot of men don't talk about their emotions. Well, I know a lot of men don't talk about their emotions and, and what's going on with them. I do talk about mine. So I do speak to my wife about what's going on. She's great. She's a good listener. 
and but uh, you know to a certain extent is she is putting up with me <laughs> i have to yeah. kind of like rein it back in sometimes and i'm aware of it when you know i have a good sense i think of what i can get away with saying almost like a pressure relief and i can talk about something for a certain amount of time um but it's interesting because these things i mean it's probably been a bit of a shock for you this morning something's happened and i guess we don't always think about taking steps to actually manage these things you know for me i just naturally talk about things but other people might not it actually reminds me of something it's just popped into my head so years ago i met a guy who was a, a police officer but he was in a particular department of the police that dealt with uh, murder cases basically so he wasn't a detective but he used to go if there was a murder this is the simple version of it if there was a murder he would go and he would attend and see what's what had happened and he would come across some brutal shocking scenes and he might be there throughout the night managing the, the situation and all this kind of thing and I said to him I mean this was 10, 15 years ago, but I just asked him the question. I said, how do you cope with it? And he said, well, after all's been said and done, he said, usually I go home and I sit in a chair and I drink a bottle of wine and I just try and get my head around it all. And it's always stuck with me. And I suppose you could think that's not a good way of dealing with it, but it was his way of dealing with it. I'm not making a judgment, by the way. That's just popped into my head as somebody who was suffering traumatic scenes, uh, you know, quite a lot. And that was his way of dealing with it. Yeah. And I think um, with that idea of that popping into your head, that's <clears throat> that's exactly why I wanted to put that disclaimer at the beginning of this, because I think that these types of conversations have that tendency to bring up stories and 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 memories that we've not thought about in a long time, as well as how not just other people are dealing with it, but maybe how we've been dealing with it. And a lot of times it is, it does lead to unhealthy habits um, and not that necessarily having a, a, a drink of wine every night is, is unhealthy habit, but there's probably a limit to when it crosses that unhealthy barrier. And um, if we're not careful, um, sometimes those barriers can, can be crossed before we're, before we're ready and before we even know, I guess we're never ready for it to be crossed, but in, before we know it, mm. um, I wonder Rich, if this, this is maybe a, a good time before we, before we keep talking about experiences or, I mean, I have some others that I would like to share to, to help sh show where this can come from, but I wonder if maybe we, we should talk about some of the symptoms that people might yeah. see, yeah. um, or experience. So I think most people are probably fairly familiar with, um, PTSD, post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. And, um, they probably know the, the very common symptoms that come from that, um, you know, emotional ir uh, dysregulation, um, maybe flashbacks, um, having a hard time being able to, um, to sleep, um, things like that. And, Secondary trauma is pretty related to those same symptoms. You may not have PTSD yourself. Um, you could, because again, you're not the one who experienced the trauma, but being a person who 
um, hears about the trauma from somebody else, um, whether that be a friend or the news or anything, if you're hearing about this traumatic experience, you can develop very similar symptoms to PTSD. So let me, let me just kind of run through some of these it's just so people can recognize what they might, what they might experience. Um, you might have some unwanted or painful memories come back up um from time to time uh, of stories that you've heard in the past uh, you might develop like a preoccupation to that trauma meaning that something is happening in the world and you can't stop thinking about it you you continue to research it or google it or watch the news about it or like you just can't seem to pull yourself away from it um maybe you you ha you're having a difficulty concentrating on certain topics um maybe at school or at work or just in social settings having dif difficulty concentrating in those where you normally wouldn't struggle um maybe you develop some apathy meaning like you just don't care about things anymore like <clears throat> you just can't get an emotional rise you're just kind of existing through certain things maybe that's even a loss of hobbies or activities or interest it just aren't quite as fun or exciting anymore yeah um Difficulty sleeping is is another one. And then maybe some emotions that you might experience might be um, guilt. There might be some guilt or some anger, some numbness or sadness or feelings of helplessness. Mm -hmm. Any of these things can be a sign that you might be experiencing some secondary trauma yourself. Again, it's, it's just popped into my head. What about shame? I think, yeah, I think that you probably could experience some shame. Um, in in therapeutic terms, we generally try to look at shame. Well, I get there's a couple different schools of thought. I try to look at shame and as um, an extended version of guilt, like a deeper guilt. Like I feel guilty about something is the extended version of that is I did something wrong, and so therefore I am bad. Okay. Um, in in this particular case, Rich, I'm wondering if shame would fit in. Like, let's say something bad is happening around you. You've heard some really traumatic news, but yet you're gonna go have fun. Like, like you're gonna go on vacation despite the fact that there's this traumatic event happening in the world, and you feel that guilt for having fun despite this event happening. And and if you push it further, then it's that means that you're bad, that suddenly somehow you don't care enough about whatever this event is that you can still go out and have fun. So you're not a good person. Yeah. That could definitely be an aspect. Just I'll share a story with you, actually. Um, I think I'm okay sharing this. So when I was at high school, I was about 12 or 13 years old. And there was a couple of kids in the school and they were in my brother's year. So they were a couple of years above me and they were, they were twins and they were kind of like naughty kids, but you know, they're sort of good, fun, naughty kids. So they weren't, they weren't too bad. They were just mischievous and, and you sort of, everybody knew who they were. And one morning I came into school and I heard the news that one of them had been run over and killed. And it was shocking, obviously, it was shocking. And I didn't know 
I didn't know what to do about it. It really it properly disturbed me. And it wasn't really talked about. The school didn't talk about it or anything. It was just a bit of whispering in the playground and a little bit of conversation. So we didn't really know what the situation was, what exactly had happened, except he'd been knocked. He was on his bike and he got knocked over by a car and he was killed. And I think you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about where you could obsessively Google something. Well, this yeah. is the book, Google. And the local newspaper came out and there was a little article, you know, a couple of inches um, of about uh, this guy being killed. And I remember being in uh, the, my living room as a child and I just read it and read it and read it. And I was obsessed with reading it. And I even, I'm not going to repeat it, but I, even, I remember the name of the mother because I was in the, the newspaper article. Oh. I remember the name of the road where they lived. Hmm. And and I was kind of obsessed with it. And there's even, there's certain songs from, from the time, two or three songs that were in the charts at the time. If I hear them now, uh, I'm instantly right back there. And I'm kind of like going, oh, I don't want to hear that. That's it's, it's actually something I've never, never dealt with. Um, is that an example of secondary trauma? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very powerful example. And one that clearly has stuck with you since, since childhood. Yeah. And it's, it, it just sneaks up on us for sure. And I imagine, um, I imagine that there are times that, that this memory might pop back up into your head and maybe in unexpected ways. It does. It often comes back to me. And that was, that was the reason that I mentioned the shame thing. So if I try and, I know all these emotions can get mixed together. So guilt or shame, not sure what it is, but I remember when I was at school, when I used to see his brothers, you know, once they came back to school and everything, I, I think that I used to feel a sense of shame when, when I saw them. And I didn't know, it's like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I mean, what would have helped me is just if somebody had actually mentioned it. <laughs> it's like different times back then and nobody, you know, everything was probably just swept under the carpet. And it's certainly yeah. what we mentioned in a school assembly or, or anything like that. So I guess I wasn't the only one that, that was affected by it. Yeah. I imagine that it, there's a lot of kids that were affected by it and um, it, it's nice to hear that, that in some ways you, you might feel like over there, there's more conversations happening around incidences and, and, and whatnot. Um, I think over here we've grown in that, in that area too. I think that it's becoming more acceptable to be able to talk about traumatic experiences that a community might go through such as that. Um, but I also think it, it's very similar to what I just shared. Like I, I, I hadn't even thought about sharing with my wife some my sad feelings of of this friend of and his wife with breast cancer this morning. I know that there's still a, a large portion of people who might go through a traumatic event like that in a community and still feel uncomfortable sharing that what they might be experiencing. Yeah, and I think that also people aren't don't always know how to you know if you go and try and talk to somebody about something like that people don't know how to receive it. They don't know how to listen to that. And that's fair enough. Again, that's not a judgment at all. It's kind of, if somebody just launches something on you, 
this goes back to what we talked about in earlier podcasts, I suppose, which is, you know, vulnerability and who you actually having those conversations with. I mean, I'm so lucky because I, I talk to my wife about a lot of stuff and I appreciate that, you know, was probably a lot of people aren't in that position. They just don't have that type of relationship and maybe they don't want that type of relationship. So I'm extremely fortunate. And in my family, perhaps it's because of the way I am. I do encourage my children to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And yeah. sometimes I know if they've been through a painful event, I actually give them a nudge about it, you know, maybe a few months later and say, I mean, I don't just pluck it out of the blue, but if it comes sort of near where we could have a conversation, I might just mention it and say, how are you feeling about all that? Um, and often they tell me, you know, and tell me quite extensively how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And I think one thing that's that's so important is is this is just, I love... I love that you were able to share that example of what happened in, in your community um, just with a car accident because um, it is just everyday life situations that just come up. Um, there's some there's some um, things happening all over the world right now that that lead into the secondary trauma. But so, you know, start starting small with with, with like the small community with this car accident, right, and and how it affects this particular school and the community around it and even things like i don't know if they do this in in uh, over there in the uk or not but a lot of times if somebody dies in a car accident over here um you'll see a memorial on the side of the road and mm -hmm. people okay good so they do that there too so people will just put up like not a, like a professional memorial or whatever but people will put up balloons and and little memorial things and even seeing things like that are are potential triggers for secondary trauma seeing that somebody may have passed away at this particular intersection or or this area of the road and, and things like that um that affects communities here yeah. in the us we have just this this one's hard for me to, to to think through and talk about but we have just tremendous amount of school shootings um here and i don't want to get into any of the the politics or any of that, but I, I feel like our whole country is having secondary trauma to this ongoing problem that's just lasted for a decade or longer now. Um, and even it's it's even just the it, it's it's the secondary trauma from hearing about the schools and other peoples all around the country that have experienced it but also the fear of sending our kids to school every day wondering if it's going to happen there um and i think we're all going through that over here and then even on a bigger scale uh i think about the war that's going on in ukraine i think about the war that's going on with israel and palestine um all of these things produce secondary trauma and again, you don't have to know the people literally at all. I don't know anybody in the war in Ukraine or Israel or Palestine, but um, if you just pay attention to the details that's happening and, and what that experience is like as a human, it has impacts. And that's why I felt like this was such an important episode to cover because those two big things are happening right now and, and 
in addition to the, all the small community stuff. Yeah. Again, this has just popped into my head and this is, this is a secondary trauma. I don't know what this is, but in our country, and again, maybe this is just my family, so apologies to the rest of the UK, but when I was growing up, it was, it was actually called the nine o'clock news back then. It's actually at 10 o'clock at night now. But religiously, every evening, my parents would sit down and watch the news and my grandparents would do it as well. And it kind of had this sort of like, um, like it was the right thing to do. So the time to forget about all the sort of lightheartedness and mm. you know, the, the kind of um, shallowness, let's say, of the day. Now it's time to sit down and be adult and, and watch the news. Um, over the last couple of years, I've completely disconnected from it for a couple of reasons, but that's perhaps another conversation. I have almost started to become offended by people sitting down in their comfortable homes and putting their feet up and, and winding down for the evening, preparing to go to bed and watching terrible, you know, unbearable horrors on the TV and then announcing things like, you know, it's terrible what's going on in Ukraine, or it's terrible what's going on in Palestine. And for me, it's, yeah, it almost undermines completely the, the severity of, of what's going on. Um, now, me personally, as I've got older, I think I've just become more sensitive, and I find it, well, I find it traumatic to watch stuff like that. Yeah. So I tend to turn away from it. I mean, the downside of that is I'm quite ignorant about what's going on on in the world. I mean, I, I tune in a little bit, so I'm not completely ignorant. But I see this like all these wars and and climate change and, and all this big stuff every evening every evening just just being being announced by the bbc it is mainly here um and it feels like it's like daily inoculations from you know from trauma and and it's it's like it's it's not real at all so when it when it gets to that stage i don't know i just kind of feel that it's there's, there's something not right about it to me yeah, I'm having, I'm having a, I don't know if this is a realization or, or what, but it, it just kind of coming to me as you're, you're speaking. I know that anxiety, people, people that report anxiety symptoms are up. People that report symptoms of depression is up. Um, mental health concerns are up. Um, all of these things are, are rising faster than then maybe the field can can handle and the field can take care of um and and maybe this is an aspect of that rich with you just bringing that that point up like all of this traumatic news is so readily available um all the time we can get on our phones we can turn on the radio we can just go out in society and it's all around us um, almost unavoidable right um to, to some degree, like we cannot watch the news at night, but certain things are still certain, we, certain these things still creep in from friendly conversations or just, just living normal everyday life. And, um, just with you mentioning that it's, it's kind of, kind of making me feel like 
we are probably all experiencing more secondary trauma um, than than is being talked about, than is being realized, and um, and it's maybe a bigger deal than just folk. Than what we have named a couple of instances where it could come from, but maybe it's just it's just prevalent, and maybe it's just what we're all experiencing. And um, having these conversations is is maybe more important than mm. than I I thought even originally before we started this episode. It's difficult as well because you you could have conversations and about what's going on in the world and, and, and the sort of traumatic nature of the news. Does it help? I don't know. Maybe it does in some ways. You perhaps share how you feel about it. I think the difficult thing is, so when it comes to talking to my children, for instance, and I think of my youngest son, he's, he's 14 at the moment, there isn't really anything that you can say that... Well, you've got a choice, haven't you? You could lie about it and pretend everything's okay. And that's damaging in 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 one way. Or you could tell them what is actually going on and that's damaging in another way. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, I, I think I'd always rather go for the, the truthful one, even though it's it's hard to take. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting aspect for parents right like how much do we tell our kids and how much how much do we not tell our kids um yeah we've my wife and i have had that same conversation a hundred times especially with again with the school shootings right like how much do you talk to your kids about what's going on because you don't want them to feel scared to go to school but unfortunately it's it's reality here and and quite frankly they're doing um active shooter drills in school you know, every quarter or, or regularly, um, what is so trying to prepare for what that looks like anyway. So conversations are probably better. Um, the other, the other thing is just like, yeah, just societal stuff in general. Like it's whatever's happening in the world, it's important to talk about it with, with your kids, but probably every family has to determine to what level and what that looks like and what their, their kid can handle. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's impossible, isn't it, to know the right thing to say to children. But I I think what I've done is tried to avoid certain conversations. Um, but I've always tried to have this thing. I'm talking about the world events here and the news. But if I'm asked a question by the children, um, by my kids, I'll always try and give them a truthful answer. And and I know if I'm lying because I kind of get this feeling of that <laughs> they know it as well. And I think yeah. that you basically just digging digging a hole for yourself. And they're just looking at you going, Dad, what what are you doing? They're just they're not stupid, are they? No, just out with it. <laughs> yeah. So for it's sure. uh, it's a really difficult one. But just slightly changing the subject a little bit. Sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background, by the way. It's all right. Um, all animals are welcome on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's actually about to go out for a walk, I think. So that's why it's, he's done a bit. <laughs> um, but with all uh, this mental health epidemic that we keep on hearing about, and I was listening, I, I can't remember the statistics, but there's some awful statistics coming out of the, out of the US and the UK about the rise of depression and anxiety and all this kind of thing and you know what's at the roots of it and i was listening to a podcast the other day i've forgotten the name of the guy but he was talking about 
um, basically mind body sort of thing. And he was saying all oh, mental health is metabolic. It's it's like a metabolic disease. Mm. And I was like, that, that can't be right. That's just completely crazy. But anyway, two and a half, three hours later of this podcast, you thought, oh, actually, he's got a point. And and the the, the very rough idea behind it was he wasn't saying that you you know, you become schizophrenic because you've eaten too much sugar and carbs. But what he was saying was that if you have experienced traumatic events and some other inputs that perhaps have given you a mental illness, this can kind of like snowball over time. Um, and then one way of improving symptoms for certain mental health issues would be to, to look at diet. So it was this uh, whole other rabbit hole to, to jump down. And then interestingly enough, I know we were going to talk about secondary trauma. I put that into YouTube and Gabor Mate came up. I don't know whether you know that guy. Um, yeah. yeah, he's an author of, um, well, I can't, uh, something with ghosts. Well, I guess that that's going to be irrelevant now because I can't think of the title of it. But, <laughs> a good uh, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a, he's an author. He's written a book. He's pretty po- pretty popular. Okay, anyway, yeah, I, mean, I don't know him enough to know what I think of him. I must say, but he talks. I mean, he's actually a medical doctor, and then he was talking to a bunch of psychotherapists about trauma, and he was talking about the, the whole mind body seeing it but then he was taking the like the other view of it which is actual physical diseases and 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 things like this they are actually because of how we live our lives and what's happened to us in the past and then he's talking about trauma and and and, you know small t trauma and big t trauma so this week that has completely caved my head in because i you know as you know i'm a trainee uh, counselor psychotherapist and I've really been thinking about the mind. And now there's this other problem of the body. And then, you know, is it the mind affecting the body? Is it the body affecting the mind? And actually, it's everything. And that sounds like a, a, a you know, a fair enough hypothesis to me. But I know growing up, um, mind and body were definitely separate in my household. If there was anything wrong with you, we went straight to the medicine cupboard. My mum used to be a nurse, so she would just like dole out any sort of medication. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's all it's, it all feels like a big confusing mess. But also on a positive note, it does feel like there's some really good uh, scientists and uh, psychiatrists and, and people like Gabor Mate and, uh, and others that are looking at the whole thing and hopefully pushing it along in the right direction. Yeah, and and um, to go to go back, so I don't don't sound like a complete. Uh, idiot with uh, the ghost book and everything. I, I, I've quickly Googled it real fast. Um, his, his book is called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. Wow, that and, sounds heavy. Um, it does sound heavy. And um, I think it's a fascinating title, but it is a book about addiction specifically. So um, I, I've not read it. It has been recommended to me. It's on my gigantic list of to read books, but um, <laughs> I'm getting that's one of yeah, yeah, it, it just grows. I can't ever keep up with it, but um, that's where the, that's where the ghost comment came in. So, um, yeah, Rich, your your idea of the mind and the body being linked is definitely grown over the last number of years in the mental health field, and I'm a big proponent of it. Actually, I I very much believe in 
trying to take care of both and both of them being related. I very much believe in eating right and getting a proper amount of, of exercise is good for mental health, not just for, for physical health. And in fact, as we're talking about secondary trauma, that's going to be sort of my recommendation for people is, um, aside from my little disclaimer at the beginning of talk to a friend or a family member or reach out to a therapist, all of which I think are good. Um, there are also individual things that you can do, um, creating some life balance, for instance, um, that includes, you know, looking at what you're eating, um, and making sure that it's healthy and nutritious. And then also getting outside, getting some exercise, um, can help through secondary trauma, even if connect with nature in some yeah. way, even if it, whether that be like a hike or even gardening or just somehow just connect with, with nature can, can be a really helpful, um, relaxation techniques. Yeah. Um, whatever that looks like a, a bath, read a book, you know, cuddle up in a blanket with a hot chocolate or a coffee or, or something like that. Journaling is always powerful. Um, journal about what you're, what you might be experiencing. These are some individual things that you can do that will connect the mind and the body and really help through some of these secondary trauma. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I try and do a lot of those and I've really improved, um, well, not improved, but I've really taken on board a lot of those things. Definitely recommend people checking out Andrew Huberman podcast. Perhaps we could put a link to a, a couple of decent episodes because he talks, he, he's a neuroscientist. So he talks about the neuroscience behind things. Like, because we say things like go out in nature, you know, like that's everyone kind of knows it don't they they go out for a walk they go out in nature and they feel better but he actually talks about the science behind it okay uh, so they literally have people you know I, I guess they're doing brain scans of people and it might be somebody like looking at a view looking into the distance or something like that and, and the effects it has on the brain and then there's a company a uk company called zoe that's all about health and nutrition um and they talk about if you go and walk in woodland, how you're basically breathing in, I don't know what they say, like mold or bacteria or fungus and how all this is good for your immune system and, and all these other effects. So, and this is where I, I love all this stuff and it's hugely fascinating to me and I, and I can spend day after day after day listening to everything. And um, this is not that relevant in some ways, but I've embarked on trying to have a career in something along the lines of helping people who are suffering that'd be the simplest way of putting it and suddenly i've got all this information from so many sources and it's kind of completely too much and i, I don't have the time or the intellect to really sift through it all and come up with some sort of neat package that i could offer to somebody but then i don't need to do that because there's plenty of people out there doing it already um yeah yeah, plenty, plenty of people out there doing stuff, but also, I mean, again, the more, the more the better, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the more the more people that can bring attention to it, the better, I think. So, um, this is this is a heavy topic, and this is this is um, a, an episode that I felt like was important, and I'm I'm glad that we were able to have have this discussion and kind of talk about it. I, I hope that hope that somebody. Um, it might relate to somebody somewhere and that they might 
recognize things that they may not have recognized before and, and go do some of these things that we're talking about with the mind and body and connecting to nature and find those resources that you're talking about. Yeah. And also, I know we bang on about this, but just, yeah, just actually potentially going out there and getting some help from a, a therapist. I think the problem is, and, and I would put myself in this category, is that you can think some of the things that have happened to you and some of the recurring negative feelings that you have are kind of trivial, you know, because it wasn't like a big T trauma, which is one of, one of these things that one of these phrases that people use. Um, but if it is affecting you on a daily basis and having, you know, a negative impact over time, then it's definitely working. And, and I need to practice what I preach here because I haven't actually sought any help. <laughs> but I definitely know there's, there's stuff that I just think, you know, it just comes up year after year and it's like heavy stuff that affects me and, and makes me change in the physiological sense. I kind of like feel like horrible about a certain thing. And I think, really, I'm really going through this again. Like I literally think about this like three, four times a year and I know I haven't dealt with it. I don't know how to deal with it. Um, but then perhaps it's a typical bloke thing. I kind of think, well, you know, I'm doing all right and I'll, I'll just kind of get on with it. So I guess I'm lucky, but if I think if it's a step beyond that, you really need to go and get some help. Yeah. But even, even to what you're saying, like, I, I love that you brought that up because I think that that's, and me included, um, we think probably because we, this is how we've been raised is like, I can just tough through this. I can just, you know, especially, especially the stereotypical idea of, of, of men, um, you know, I, I got to be tough. I got to be strong. I got to get through this um, and shove my emotions back down and and move on with my life. Like they're they're getting in the way, right? And um, I just want I just want this message to be that all of these things are normal and everybody experiences them. And if it keeps coming up, like for you, how you said it keeps coming up you know, a few times throughout the year or every so often. And, and you kind of, you kind of start down that shame, that shame talk of, of oh, not yeah. this again. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Like all of that is, is normal everyday situations given the trauma that's all around us. And maybe, the, maybe we have some secondary trauma and it's just coming up. And the more that we can accept that's part of our humanness, I knew I had to get humanness in here some, in somewhere in this episode. The more that we can accept that's part of our humanness, uh, the less we have to beat ourselves up because we mm. experience it. This is probably too big a philosophical question, but do you ever just get, do you ever just think like, why are humans just so bloody complicated? Why can't, <laughs> like, like, why can't I just get up in the morning, have breakfast, go to work? <laughs> watch telly whatever and just <laughs> just be normal like a dog or a cat or whatever yeah. like, it's just yeah. like it's a battle isn't it it's just like oh my god <sighs> yeah i mean if i could if i could live my dog's life or hearing hearing your dog how excited he was to go on his walk if i could do that every day then yes i would take that for sure <laughs> I often ask my dog, I just go, why are you so excited about going for a walk? I, I look him in the eye and just go, it's just ridiculous. It's just a walk. But then, he, yeah, I'm obviously the one that's got it wrong. <laughs> right, right. He knows what's, he knows the right way to do it. He does. He does. Yeah. 
Well, Rich, that's that's all I had for secondary trauma. Um, anything else that you feel like is important or that you want to add? I just want to add. I think that if you are if you're doing all those things, well, number one is you should definitely try things like getting out in nature. And I know it's like a really controversial topic in some ways, but just looking at what you eat if if you're suffering. Because I've heard, and, and hopefully we'll get into this as the podcasts go on, but I've heard people going to see a psychiatrist because they're suffering from some you know, pretty serious mental health issues and they've been advised about their diet. Yeah. And six weeks later, it's fi- they're fixed pretty much, you know, completely changed their life. And actually they didn't have a mental illness, they actually had the diet problem so i would i would say i'd really encourage people to because i'm not an expert obviously i'd really encourage people to get out there and do their own research and look into nutrition and, and uh, getting out into nature and exercise and look at all the science behind it because it's fascinating and there's there's lots of good podcasts out there so well i'd definitely put a link to andrew huberman because he's a wealth of information yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll we'll add that into the show notes, and um, maybe I'll even add some some things that you can read about secondary trauma as well. If you want to yeah. further look into it, I think that would be a good idea. So, um, all right. Well, then, if if that's uh, that's it, I guess uh, that is the end of our episode. And and uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. All right. Take care.